We're going live Love in a minute. Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is... At Egberto Willie. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willie, your host. Thank you so kindly for being with me on this day. Uh, yes, right now we are waiting to see who the DNC will elect as their chair. Personally, I'm hoping to get uh, Mr. Keith Ellison in. We hope that the party sees a reason to have somebody of his caliber. Right now, I still see that uh, the vote, let, let's see, uh, on MSNBC momentarily, DNC to vote. They'll be voting in a little bit. We don't have the answer to that yet. But why, right now, today's program is going to be about the news media somewhat. The news media started getting better. Do remember, folks, this is a call-in show. Remember that the telephone number is 646-929-2495. Somebody that's watching on Facebook Live, could you stick that in for me? Uh, it is uh, 646-929-2495. If you want to speak to me directly, have your voice on air. Ellison or Perez is what uh, Christy A. Uh, Cahill says. I actually ha- I have an affinity for, uh, for, uh, for Mr. Ellison, because again, I think he has he has the right tonality that the Democratic Party needs right now. I think Perez, who's a very good guy, has a, a tad bit too much uh, closeness, if you will, with the uh, with the establishment of the party. So we'll see. The number is six four six nine two nine two four nine five. Again, that is six four six. 929-2495. Call in, folks. I want to hear your voices as well. Anyhow, what are we going to talk about to start off the program? We're going to start the program with the news media. Actually, you know what? This week, I have been ecstatic because I think the media has improved. But you know why it has improved? It is existential, folks. Finally, they find themselves in the position Yes, Kay Iverson Ellison, the Dems need a new start. Wipe their slate clean. Absolutely with you. Chris Cahill also likes, uh, likes uh, Ellison. We have to see. We know that there's a, it, it's, it's always going to be fighting against the crosswinds, the crosswinds, the headwinds, when you're working within the Democratic establishment, which for all practical purposes has the same problems that the Republican, um, that the Republican Party has as well, just with a bit or a tad more morality, if you will. Because as we know, uh, just listening to Trump and those that are following him, uh, they've all fallen into what I consider, and, I, and, and again, I, I think into what can only be considered a moral dilemma in the policies that they support. 
a moral dilemma in this policy that they support. Anyhow, the name of the program today is News Media is Slowly Improving. This week, they go from an F minus, in other words, they were beyond failing before, to a D plus in my book. What do you think? What do you think they're a D plus yet? Do you think they're a C minus yet? I know they can't crack average yet because they're far and far below par as to what they should be doing as a as the fourth estate, as the free media, as the one who should be guarding against tyranny. And we can see the growth of tyranny. There's a blog post that, uh, that Brother um, uh, Robert Reich wrote that I actually uh, reposted on my blog that spoke about the seven features of tyranny and how Don, uh, Donald Trump has fulfilled, in fact, all seven of the tenets that tells us he's a tyrannical guy that tells us and his own folks will realize that eventually because some of the things that he will do again in in the folks that he is fighting for some of the things that he will boot if, if keith ellison doesn't win uh richard rick i would be for uh i think they call him mayor steve or mayor pete is a boot boot the last name is a bit difficult for me so yes if if Keith doesn't get it, I will be for him, the millennial guy, because I really do think the party needs young blood. I do need the party needs somebody who can speak to other people. So again, I would be a bit upset for Keith because I think Keith has done the work and the grassroots work to, to move on. But, and Keith is also right at the cusp, right? He's a Gen Xer. And I think uh, the experience from a Gen Xer it should be appreciated as well. Having a smart, well-educated military guy that has served his country, who is Mr. Pete, Mayor Pete, I would support him as well. Pettis is a good guy, but I just think he is too establishment for what the party needs right now. Anyhow, news media is slowly improving this week. They go from an F to a D. Hi, Maru Cabanillas, como estas? And Kay Iverson, welcome aboard. Anyhow, folks, Americans must be pleasantly surprised this week. Why? Over the last few weeks, there has been a crescendo of mainstream media personalities challenging the deluge of lies emanating from Trump and his administration. We had CBS Scott Pelley challenge his CPAC speech. CNN's Wolf Blitzer challenged Marsha Blackburn, Republican of Tennessee, for her lie about the resistance protesters being paid. MSNBC's Craig Melvin called out Trump spokesman Bruce Level for lying about Trump's addressing recent anti-Semitic activities in the country. The mainstream news media must continue to improve. It is existential for them now. Donald Peterson says it's about time. It's about time. It's about time. And Donald, you're absolutely Right. Anyhow, folks, what are your thoughts? Let's talk. I also will be following hashtag politics done right on Twitter. Egberto Willis is my Twitter handle. Go ahead and follow Egberto Willis. Give me a call at 646-929-2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. Some of my good friends have been kind enough to post it in the, in the feed as well. And hello, uh, Sarah. How are you doing? Mademoiselle Benchley. And, um, don't forget, go ahead and like the Facebook page. Like the Politics Done Right with Egberto Willis on Facebook. 
so that you're informed not only on when we're going live, which we do three to four times a week, but also when we have a new postings of, you know, posting up quite a bit out here. So again, give us a call. That number is 646-929-2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. But you know what time it is. It's time for the weekly blog post. The weekly blog post. I change it again. I don't know why every week when I write these blog posts, I constantly change. Oh, you know, Brother Ledo is going to force me to address him. Brother Ledo on Facebook Live states, I love that you're using communist terminology and calling your movement the resistance. Wow. That is, you, do you remember when President Obama just came into office? The, the catch word was always, he's a socialist. He's a communist. Well, let me be frank here, folks. I believe in democracy, 100% democracy, but I am a socialist Democrat. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I believe in Social Security. I believe in Medicaid. I believe in college tuition for all our folks. I believe in all those things that a social state provides. And I believe in democracy, and I believe in capitalism only as a tool to assist. No less, no more. It should not be a tool to enrich a few. It should not be a tool to empower a few. It should not be a tool to get all these, to take what is, take away from folks. So let me tell you that. Have no fear, folks. Don't win the Daniel Ledoz of the world. And you notice Daniel Ledo comes in here all the time. He, 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 he likes to stalk, stalk liberals. He likes to, uh, what, what, what is the word, troll liberals. But I like him. Had coffee with him before. He's a good guy. Just a little bit concerned. I'm a bit concerned of how he thinks. Now, that said, we're going to get to the blog of the week. But, folks, do not let anybody, do not let anybody scare you by somehow just throwing out the communist word or throwing out the socialist word. Just you throw out the moral word. We are the moral ones, period. Anyhow, Bill Maher, I watched Bill Maher last night, and I was like, wow, I enjoyed his, um, his uh, what is it? Not the last word, but what he's called. Uh, what, is, what does he call it? More, what, whatever. I'll, I'll get to that. Anyhow, I titled a piece, Bill Maher lashes out at the press, toughen up, stop covering crap, take one for the team. And here it goes. A national press with similar lousy credibility, uh, rather, a national press with a similar lousy credibility as Trump is one that is ineffective. New rules, thank you, Sarah, is one that is ineffective. In other words, what am I saying? If somehow the polling is that Americans believe that the national press is pretty close in truthfulness as Donald Trump, the national press is in trouble. And notice now I'm saying the national press is in trouble. In the past, I would say, oh, my God, we are in trouble. But we are not in trouble. You know why we are not in trouble? Because we still have net neutrality, and you can still listen to folks who can come on and create their own media to provide their real, true sourcing of information. So where in the past the mainstream media dominated news dissemination, that doesn't happen anymore because you know what? We have us. You remember when one time Obama said, we are who we've been waiting for? All of us that have taken this sort of stuff up, 
That is exactly what we're doing. We are who we've been waiting for, and we are the ones that are trying to multiply folks into Relay, not the Tea Party style, take back our country, but honestly, take back our country from the corporatocracy, take back our country from the plutocrats, take back our country from the oligarchs. That is what we work for. And you know what? With all the resistance that's been occurring over the last few weeks, I have been most impressed, most impressed, because they may want to tell you, they may want to say, oh, my God, these people are being paid to go out there and scream in the streets, to go out there and challenge their politicians. They are being paid for that. They're not being paid. I know, I know many of these people and many of these people that I know, many of the other people that are there. So it is not being paid. It is, for once, an organic, a, a, real, organic, a real organic movement coming from the guts. Given, given direction by that great paper written, Indivisible Guide, that great piece of paper had some power in it because what it did, and if you look at some of the interviews that I did with some of the people that were protesting against um, uh, Culberson, most of these women, men, young people, they've had the same thing to say. I never thought I would get activated. I never thought I would be part of the movement. I never thought I would have gone on a line. I never thought I would have done these things, but I am doing it because now I am concerned. Now I really see that bad things can happen. They thought they were just going to, they weren't enthused. They were not enthused with Mademoiselle Clinton, but they knew something was wrong. They knew they had to do something. And everyone that I interview, and if you go to egbertowillis.com, just do a search on Culberson and see the articles that I wrote on Culberson, the, the protests with Culberson, and listen to what those people had to say. These were regular folk, regular people, coming out there and saying, we got to do something. And guess what happened this week? I, I, I'm supposed to be doing the blog of the week about news, but you, know, you got me riled up and started. Suddenly, what happened? Suddenly, what happened? Obamacare is no longer in real danger, assuming that we keep the pressure on. When the most conservative, when the most conservative uh, representative in the House, and I don't recall his name right now, comes out and says, a lot of our members in marginal districts, a lot of our members in swing districts, a lot of our members are saying that they won't any longer be able to repeal Obamacare. When John Boehner comes out two days ago and says, ah, oh, there's not going to be any repeal. They're going to change it around the edges and put a conservative box around it. Read, they're going to simply do some cosmetic things around it, call it Trump care, and then say, okay, look how beautiful it is. These are fixes that could have been made while Obama was in office that Republicans refused to do it. Those, those, those particular states, including Texas, that decided that they, because of their ideology, they would murder their citizens. And what do I mean by murder their citizens? In Texas, there are over 1 million uninsured people that would have qualified for the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare that our government, they had to pay nothing for it. They're already paying it in your taxes. They had to pay nothing for it. We left those people uninsured. A million people. 7,000 of those million people die likely every year. 
7,000. Hola, Chris. Hi, Cindy. How are you doing? Cindy is... Uh, Cindy just came on to Facebook Live. I just have to give a shout out to Cindy. Cindy is the leader of uh, 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 Indivisible uh, Texas O2. Indivisible Texas O2 against uh, Ted Poe. Not against Ted Poe, but in Ted Poe's district. When we talk about grassroots, Cindy is an inspiration. She gets together and puts people together. And Cindy ain't no... For uh, Cindy is not some sort of left-wing liberal like myself. She's just a good person that saw that things needed to get done, and she's doing it. And that is Maru Cabanillas. I, I met Maru Cabanillas over email. Same thing, strong, staunch supporter of good health care for all our American citizens. So people are waking up, doctors alike. Doctors and everybody else waking up. So this is not AstroTurf. This is not paid people to protest. These are Americans seeing that we've got to do something. And the best thing that is occurring is that what they're fighting for is being realized. What they're fighting for is being realized. Daniel Ledeau, right now, an unborn child, is advertised and an abortion is advertised on the right. I don't like like abortions. Let me be very clear about that. But when you guys advertise that, you advertise it as murder, which it isn't. I believe life begins when a baby is born, but that's just my belief, and I respect everybody else's belief. Yours included, I respect uh, Daniel. But when I speak about our government in Texas murdering its citizens. I am not using hyperbole at all. The goal is not to use hyperbole in reality. My fellow Texans are dying because we have a lousy government. My fellow Texans are dying, and many Americans are dying because of ideological concerns of a few and the misinformation that others have received that have them vote against your interests or not support something that is better for them now. If you were to give it all to me, I would say we would have single payer and have everybody has health care. And how is it paid for? From the general tax funds. In other words, just like we have a social security tax on everybody, I would have a, a, a health care tax on everybody. Those who can't afford to pay tax, they still qualify for health care. You know why? Because it's called humane. I am not a Christian, but for those who are Christians, guess who would agree with that? There's this good guy. His name is Jesus Christ. And you know what? That is what he stood for. That is the kind of stuff he would stand for. Again, I'm not a Christian. I'm a humanist. I believe in humanity. I believe in supporting my fellow man. Nothing more, nothing less. But that good guy named Jesus Christ would have supported. He would have looked at Obamacare and said, not enough. He would have, he would have. When, when, when Obama was signing that, that law, he would have probably gone in like he did when they were, they were doing on the Sabbath and thrown that table away, and he would have said, not enough. Take care of my brethren. That is what you're, the guy that you guys purport to follow, that is what he would have said. But somehow, somehow, when it comes to doing the godly thing, when it comes to doing the moral thing, you can somehow justify it. And that is why I consider most of the preachers 
especially the evangelical and right-wing preachers. Most of them, I consider them evil. And the reason I consider them evil is because they know the truth. They know the truth. And even though they know the truth, they would still hurt your constituents. I have a good friend. I have a good friend. He wrote a piece. Uh, we were in the coffee party together. And he was, uh, he was very, very uh, taken aback during the Obamacare days. And he was in a, he's, a, he's a conservative guy. He's, a, he's a, not only conservative, but he went to evangelical church. And all the while when they were preaching against Obamacare and all these, uh, uh, not socialized medicine, but universal care in the, in the church, they were preaching it against uh, Obama and saying, no, that's not free markets and all of that. And he was in church saying, that's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus would do. This is what my conservative friend is talking about. And eventually, he said that one of the ministers, one of the preachers in the church, one of the leaders of the church came to him and said, maybe this is not the place for you. Maybe this is not the place for you. And he left. He left the church, and he decided to go into other areas where he could be helpful to other people, where he could help other people get medical care, and where he could better take care of his own family. These are not isolated incidents. These are not isolated stories. These are real stories, real Americans, real Texans. Real Texans are going through this. Anyway, we weren't supposed to talk and start now. I mean, we, when, we, when this show goes, we normally kind of migrate into Obamacare or migrate into universal health care because, again, that is one of my own passions and the passions of many of the listeners that I have here. But today was supposed to be a little bit about the mainstream media. So let me just finish and let me just talk a little bit about what uh, Bill Maher uh, came out with last night. Anyway, here it goes. The national press with similar lousy credibility as Trump is one that is ineffective. Bill Maher uses actual examples of their screw-ups to point out what they should do. And if you want to see the video of uh, the new rules from Bill Maher, if you hadn't seen it on HBO, I did. I cut it up so that I can get out, of, you know, so that you don't have to spend the whole time watching it. Cut it up so you can get all the, the highlights of it. But it goes as follows. Now more than ever, we need a robust and assertive press. It is the time that the media gets back. To, it is time that the media gets back to basics but most importantly, grow spines to confront our political bully. And you know who our political bully is. News that polls show that public, the public finds the news media less trustworthy than Donald Trump, Bill Maher said. They have to fight to get their reputation back. And there are encouraging signs that that fight has been joined. Maher then pointed out that the New York Times called out Trump's untruths by name. Lies, Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd, Scott Pelley, and George Stephanopoulos slammed Trump spokespersons when they came on the air with alternative facts. Ah, those pesky alternative facts. We are going to need a lot more of this, Marr said. Trump has the White House. He's got Congress. He's got a crazy loyal fan base. What do we have? Pussy hats, but also people under them. In other words, at first, the way he said that in his, in his comedy was, for people to say, oh, that's all we're going to do. Then he said, no, there is the resistance. You guys, you guys are doing what is necessary. So this is different. There is something about getting in the streets 
that make a powerful statement that we care, that we are not afraid. So we've got the streets. We still go to the, we still got the court, but judges die. And if only Republicans are in power to replace them, that could be bad, which leaves the press, the free press that is enshrined in our constitution, but for the press to be effective, these numbers have got to change. Can you imagine how this must make a reporter feel to be losing a truthful contest to Donald Trump? It is like losing a rap battle to Mitt Romney. Donald Trump is the apostis. I, you know what? I hadn't used this word before. I mean, it's not my word. It's um, Bill Maher. Donald Trump is the apotheosis of the alt-right. And the media gave him the biggest platform ever. They covered every Trump rally like we put a game show host on the moon. They made him look like he was president before he was. Even during the primaries, Trump got three times the coverage of the entire rest of the field. He got almost twice as much coverage of Hillary and Bernie combined because they are policy people. And now, with so much happening all at once, we really need our news sources to bore in. But the second half of the nightly news still looked like this. Then he showed pieces of the, the nightly news where people are petting dogs. And they're talking about pandas. And they're talking about all kinds of silly things now on news. Look, if you want all of that, go to the internet to a site that, that is an entertainment site. Or go to the entertainment channel. Or go to the entertainment channel. That's what you have to do. Anyhow, Marr then played snippets of the feel-good, mostly silly filler stories. They play including panda stories, animal stories, and other superficial stories. Guys, for the sake of the republic, Marr said, for the sake of the republic, you got to get serious again. You have to win your respect back. So Trump can't say, the people don't believe you. You are a joke. And to many of us, that is what we see. Pantheon says, it's a shame only the comedians are the ones who take to the TV streams and make valid points against ignorance. I've been saying that for such a long time, Pantheon. You are so, so, so right. It is almost like, uh, the, 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 me, the mainstream media was scared to confront power, but because funny men are just that, funny men, they can get away with saying things that don't allow the establishment to drop, to fall on them. But now, CNN, I never believe I would be saying this, but now CNN has gotten some pelotas. CNN is really going out there and CNN is doing its homework. Uh, specifically, uh, what's his name? Remind me, the, 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 the one that comes on at, I think, 3 o'clock. Uh, Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper of State of the Union and Jake Tapper during the day. He's been hitting them hard, very, very hard. I think when these guys do these good reports, when these guys do these good things, we, not, we should not only commend them, we should also promote them. We should also encourage people to go back to these stations. Watch, because that's how they get paid, eyeballs. So we have to support them when they're doing good things and not support them when they're doing bad things. So in the past where I would say, turn off, let me watch CNN for you. Let me watch uh, MSNBC for you. I will write about anything good that they have to say, and you can see it there, but let's not give them the eyeballs. Let's not pay them for misinforming us. Let's not pay them for not giving us the news appropriately. But now, 
Now I can tell you CNN doing a good job. Go watch CNN. Go watch CNN. Go watch Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper has been solid over the last three or four weeks. I am extremely impressed. Uh, let's see. Chris, Cindy wants you to call Ted Poe's office to urge him to, uh, to, urge him to vote for HR 11111, which is a Russian independent investigation. Yes, he must do that. Yes, he must. Anyway, Mar then segue to the Time Magazine website where they had yet another silly and distracting story. The news media lost trust because they became eyeballs, eyeball chasing clickbait horse, according to Mar, who bumped the story about climate change for one about grizzly bears in the jacuzzi. There is an answer to this. When TV started, there was an understanding between the folks who owned the airwaves, the American people and the folks who made TV, and the understanding was that the news wasn't supposed to make money. It was something the corporate corporation just gave as a public service. Bill pointed out that news is negligible to the bottom line of most of the networks. So, guys, Bill Maher says, take one for the team. Don't try to make money everywhere. And, you know, uh, look, these, these organizations need to make money. They got, they've got to pay their reporters. They've got to be able to sustain it. So, I mean... Uh, what Bill says, uh, you know, take one for the team. He's saying that because, again, most of these guys make their monies from entertainment. As far as the, the, the news is concerned, I think I'm with him. Yes, we have, to, uh, we have to be more concerned with the content than we are concerned with anything else. But anyhow, folks, the telephone number is 646-929-2495. I can take calls now, 646-929-2495. Am I going to hear from some of you? There are quite a few of you listening on Blog Talk Radio. There are quite a few of you listening on live on Facebook Live. I'm an easy person to speak to. So, uh, so that number is for 646-929-2495. So where do we go from here? Back to Obamacare. Because, let's see, Jessica said it used to be that the media took their role as the fourth estate very seriously. Yes, you remember Morrow? Morrow was one of those guys. Remember Cronkite? Cronkite was one of those guys. Yes, they are old now, or not old, they're dead now. But um, these guys really took it seriously, and people really felt they were getting what they required from, from there. Let's see, Jessica says, perhaps this will force a new era in journalism where instead of relying on official lies, journalists will go out and find their own stories. Not that I condone what the White House is doing, but journalism, let's see, I missed that. But journalism, I, I missed that somehow. Anyway, uh, let's see what else. Uh, Pantheon says Tepper has been always shooting, uh, wait, Tepper has been always shooting straight, but it was regulated to his online channel only. I hear you. I know exactly what you're talking about. Sarah says, if anyone wants to complain about journalists and reporters, they should at least watch and listen so they know what they're griping about. True. Chris Hill, Daniel, well, that's, that's, I guess, a conversation that I don't need to get into with two people on the, on the, on the feed. Jessica says, now is the focus. Okay, Cindy, the population wants to be entertained. Let me tell you something that we did with, um, with, with Move to Amen. I shouldn't say we because this was Move to Amen, Utah, uh, Salt Lake City. And it's something very important that they did. 
uh, we are working on getting getting money out of politics and also getting uh, taking away personhood from corporations. I don't know how many people know what personhood means. Uh, just like you are a person with legal rights, we have created an entity known as a corporation. And a corporation is not just a body of people working together. A corporation is a, 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 has the same rights almost as a human being. In certain instances, it has more rights as a human being, legally speaking, that is. So a corporation, while it does not have the vote, a corporation has you know, laws that apply to people, apply to corporations as well. So um, corporations these days now, because they are massive, they've given themselves the right to free speech. They've given themselves the right to entertain, uh, to entertain just about anything that the average American citizen can. And that is what gave them the right, Citizens United, to, uh, to you know, give as much money as they want to. Uh, there's, there, there's, several, there's several laws. I can't remember all of them in, in line right now, but there's Citizens United, there's McClitch, there's uh, McCutchee, and there are a couple other laws that they use to uh, fill the coffers with money for politicians, which then reward them by giving laws that support these guys. And by the way, it applied into the healthcare law as well. We decided, I'm coming to you right now, John. We decided, we decided to have a skit. And this skit uh, was a whole lot of people running, uh, running around, pulling a cart. And that cart opened up and it, also, it, it gave people exactly the whole story of how corporations got formed, not only how corporations got formed, but uh, what they do and the rights that they had. But there was one piece of the skit that, was, uh, that really got to me that I found very important. And it was the part where they spoke about uh, bread and circus. Uh, there's this, there's this, the theme that went as follows. The, populate, the, the, the way the king and queen maintained power over the population was to keep them entertained, that is the circus, and also keep them well fed, that is the bread. So this kid went around giving a circus performance and feeding bread to the people that were watching. And what that gave the impression of is, as long as you entertain folks, you know, Donald Trump is a hell of an entertainer, and give them cheap food. And if you know America has the cheapest food in the world just about, they don't really get involved into the, the biggest intricacies of their own government. And that is why we've fallen so far. We've been sufficiently contented and sufficiently entertained with empty, empty type of circuses. Reality TV is one of the biggest culprits. We all fall for it. I remember I tried a test on myself where I went ahead and watched for a very long time Jerry Springer or one of those shows. And they're, re you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's bad for you, but you start watching it and it kind of grabs you because you just want to get that other, that other piece of crack, that other thing of like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And that's what gets you. But anyhow, let me bring John into the conversation. John, how are you doing today? Welcome aboard. Oh, I'm good. How are you doing, Egberto? Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We've, you know, we've had this conversation many times about, uh, about the media. And mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I, I basically want to lay the premise down that, you know, I think that uh, your your perception of the media is based on a similar perception that I have, is, mm -hmm. which is uh, we want media that's going to give us the most information, but we also 
want uh, something that is tribal. We want something that is going to, uh, to some degree, uh, be similar to opinions that we have. Right. And so in the past, I've been, you know, kind of critical of you because, you know, I, I feel that there are a lot of journalists out there that, you know, who are trying to do a good job of, and, you know, I mean, like, I'll say, for example, CNN, I don't ever watch CNN. I just thought that in the past that they were you know, just awful, and mm-hmm. I just never watched it. And now I'm hearing things about Jake Tapper, and, I, you know, I, I do read, you know, uh, or I do see various clips to right. see that, that people are pushing back on that, so they're doing a little bit better job. But, I mean, you know, I just think that there's a little bit of a difference between actually criticizing, you know, uh, people who are, are supposed to be uh, – who don't who aren't opinion journalists. They're mm-hmm. supposed to be a, a straight journalist as opposed to, you know, just uh, consuming uh, opinion journalism. That is a very good point that you bring up there. Uh, there's a difference between the opinion journalism and also because, I mean, as a blogger, I'm an opinion journalist, right? Or uh, an opinion blogger, if you will. But uh, I expect a whole lot more out of the Jake Tapper, who is a journalist. I expect a whole lot more out of these other people, as you're mentioning, that are straight up journalists, because, again, they're supposed ideally they are unbiased, right? Even some of the things that they may say may upset me because I don't think uh, sometimes I don't think they're as objective or they're not balanced as they should. When I say balanced, I'm not talking about false equivalences here. In other words, if something is wrong, it is just wrong. But when I talk about balance, I mean, uh, like, let's say yesterday, what, what I, I was, if you notice I said the media went from an F to a D plus. And what I meant by that is that, uh, that what occurs, let's look at yesterday. The big story yesterday was Trump uh, knocking the journalists out of the gaggle. And that really should not have been the big story yesterday. The big story yesterday should have been that uh, Rance previous spoke to the FBI, something that shouldn't have been done. So we have these. So we have a, a whole lot of these dichotomies, if you will, that we have to go through. Go ahead, John. Okay, I just say about Ledeau here. It says opinion journalism is a contradiction in terms, and here you know. I mean, the Republican Party is totally dependent on opinion journalism. Fox News is totally opinion journalism. Breitbart, uh, all these other you know outlets are totally opinion journalism. So I mean, th- that's so ridiculous that he would even state that. But you think uh, right. the thing about it is uh, the reason the right depends on opinion journalism is opinion journalism doesn't have to be fact based. I can be opinionatedly wrong, <laughs> you know, so I mean, uh, and, and that is what we're looking at. Obamacare doesn't help people, right? And, and, and that, you know, if you listen to all what, if you hear all the Republicans say things like, Obamacare doesn't work, well, tell that to the 22 million people who have it. Tell that to the people who have employment-based insurance who no longer has limits. It works. Go ahead, John. And folks, remember, 929 Don't leave John here all by him lonesome. Give us a call and let me hear your voice. I see you on, on screen. I see the numbers here on, on Blog Talk Radio. Call in. Go ahead, John. 
Okay, so no, I agree totally with what you said. I mean, the big story is, is really should be the investigation into the Russia situation. I mean, and there are so many different aspects of that. But I mean, the fact that there was collusion between right. uh, between Reince Priebus. I mean, Reince, Reince Priebus should resign first of all. Absolutely. Uh, and. Uh, and the the uh, the FBI, which really, I mean, I have so little. I've never had such a low opinion of the FBI probably since uh, Hoover was running uh, the right. FBI. You know, when I was a little kid. I mean, sure. they they are just really. I mean, I mean, I understand what they're doing. They're doing an investigation, and they don't want to put out any information until till this uh, till they have it completed. But at the same time, they shouldn't be talking to Reince Priebus at all, exactly. and they not even discussing an article. They, they, they keep saying, well, we were just discussing an article called by the New York Times. I mean, if the, the article of the New York Times was about the investigation. So, I mean, you shouldn't be talking at all, and I think McCabe should resign also. I mean, absolutely. what he's doing is, is just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, the bigger story is, do we have the rule of law in America anymore? Because in my opinion, I mean, uh, if, you, if you look at Jeff Sessions, he's not going to stand up for the rule of law. He hasn't recused himself like he should have done. And so, I mean, where is the rule of law right now? We have Daryl Issa who's afraid that he's not going to get reelected. And uh, so he's, he's going and, and trying to – to save his skin, you know, which is great. We need to put more pressure on other Republicans so they let can me just talk to so let, let me just put it. Daryl Issa surprised me last night. He was a guest on Bill Maher yesterday, and he actually came out for an independent, uh, what is it, an independent prosecutor. So, uh, not prosecutor, right. independent, uh, independent, what do you call it? Uh, the re- whoever, no, prosecutor. Yeah, yeah independent right. prosecutor. So I, I, was, uh, I was shocked when I heard him say this. Now, Maru Cabanilla says, Impeachment hearings need to start. We can vote Cruz and a lot of other GOP senators out so that investigations are started. I think that is where we're heading. Let me, let me, uh, I'm going to let you back in right, right away, but I tell you folks, I think that's what we're heading. Now, those of you that are listening here and that also are part of the, the, the uh, Indivisible Movement and other movements, it is up. Um, movements ultimately slow down. You, you get into the lulls. I remember being a part of the Occupy uh, Occupy movement that um, one of the, that 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 is what happened. It kind of degenerated after a while. People got tired. It didn't stay strong or anything like that in Occupy Houston downtown. Now what we did here in Kingwood, we had something called Occupy Kingwood, but we tried what we called it was a sustainable Occupy. What we meant is we wanted to keep the spirits of people up and the engagement of people up. So what we did is we had it on a corner every single weekend for 52 consecutive weeks. And that was the goal. When we got together to form this thing, we said we would do it for 52 consecutive weeks. And not only do that, but um, and, and to ensure that, I, I tell you what we did. Rain, shine, storm, no matter what, we had somebody at that corner. We had as little as four people, as many as 50 people. On this, in this conservative town on a corner in Kingwood. I remember one morning, uh, it was storming and lightning was coming and it was just close to 10 o'clock the time that we got out there and my wife asked me, are you gonna be going out there? And I said, 
you know what the goal was? We said 52 consecutive weeks. So I went out there and asked her to take me there because I actually went in two cars because what I wanted her to do is video me in the rain with a sign with the rain pelting down. Why am I telling you this? You are the leaders, the ones, the folks that are watching this, the folks that are in the indivisible movement right now. You are the leaders and you are the ones that are going to have to take some extraordinary steps to keep the, to keep the flock together, if you will. Everybody is not going to have that passion. Some of us will, some of us won't, but we, we need everybody, those with little passion and those with a whole bunch of passion. We need everybody. It is incumbent on you to keep that passion for your fellow, for your neighbor, your friend, the folks in your groups, et cetera, et cetera, so that when 2017 comes in certain states, we can go ahead and elect those people that we need to elect. Because don't forget, Everybody said we're waiting on 2018. We're not waiting on 2018. There's an election today. Folks in, uh, where is it? Delaware, I believe, needs to be calling their folks to say, go out and vote. Keep that Senate Democratic. That is what they need to be doing. But this is not just about uh, 2018. Those of us in Texas right now, we need to be going up to Austin several times in the, during this session. I think I'm going a couple of times. I, I don't have my date squared, up, squared away yet, but... We need to be going to Austin and making these folks know that we're watching them. And, that, and even if they don't do, even if we lose these battles, some of these battles, we are generating what's necessary to move forward. We're generating what's necessary to move forward. But it's on you. It's on us for us to keep the pressure on. Sorry about that, John. I just wanted to say that. No, no, it's good to, to point out your commitment. Uh, I think it's very important. Uh, as far as uh, impeachment is concerned, you know, you've had some people write in about that. Uh, you know, what I, I hear things like, you know, I heard Al Sharpton's show last week, and he was talking about, you know, well, he hasn't really done anything that, that, that you know, has impeachment. Uh, and, uh, you know, I hear it on other, you know, Daily Coast Radio. I hear, you know, I tune in and I hear things like that. And that's absolutely untrue, you know. I, I said on your show about a month ago about mm-hmm. how the, the attorney generals uh, of these blue states uh, can can actually file, uh, you know, things to actually uh, – he, he, the Trump's corporations are actually in violation of the law. And, you know, yes. the, the – what what's going on right now is, you know, Lawrence Tribe and uh, Painter and uh, who's the other one? Norm Eisen, who've who've been all over the media for the past four months talking about how uh, Trump is in violation of the Emoluments Clause, both domestic and foreign. Uh, and there's there's no doubt about it. If you look into this, this is part of the Constitution, and no other president has done this in the history of our country. And right. the fact that he's He's getting these – he's profiting, which is totally against the Constitution, and Republicans are letting him do this. And the media has also – I mean that's the one thing – I mean I understand that there's so much going on that is, that is awful that it's hard to, to, to talk about this because it seems like nobody, nobody is really uh, taking it up anymore. It's just like, it's oh, we're just going to let Trump off with this. Yeah, no, right. you, but I mean – it's a difficult subject, but guys like yourself who are calling into these shows, many shows that you, that you do, I think it's always important for you to bring those things up because, it, first of all, it isn't something that is easy for a lot of people to understand. 
but having you bring it up all of the times and force other people to understand, well, you know, there, look, there's a lot of issues with Donald Trump and his companies, really, right? There's a lot of issues with Donald Trump and his company in Saudi Arabia, wherever they are. Uh, do we have to defend them as the United States military because it's our president's property? There's a whole lot of issues on that. And worse is, as you mentioned, the emoluments clause. Yeah, and, and so uh, anyway, uh, about uh, I guess it's been about n- uh, nine days ago, there was an article by uh, Dahlia Lithwick in Slate, and uh, they, she was talking about this exact subject, about how – uh, you know, like, like Ferguson, who, who did the case in, in Washington State, or Eric Schneiderman, who is the GM of New York State, they would have a lot more chance of having standing. Now, I think that's wrong. I think that the, the, the actual ethics people who have this case should, should have standing. I think I, if I brought this case, I should have standing because it's yes. affecting me. The fact that Trump is violating the Constitution is, is having an impact on me. But but what the, but the law the the you know what settled law is is that it has to have an impact on somebody who makes a difference and so they're they're much uh, if if a state attorney general were to bring it the fact that they would have standing in a federal court is a lot higher than an individual right. even if they're expert right. law professors on ex on ethics and so so that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to 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 understand you know. Did it, you know, I think Trump should be impeached, and, it, and this is something definite that's in the Constitution. But, I mean, these attorney generals need to bring these lawsuits, you know, just like they brought the lawsuits uh, for the, uh, the, the travel ban, you know, the travel Muslim ban. And so I think this is very important. And also if you look at uh, what's going on with all the, the immigration, you know, tearing families apart – and mm-hmm. basically saying, you know, if you, if you're uh, illegal in any way, uh, and I mean uh, undocumented, I'm sorry, uh, mm-hmm. in any way that you could be deported, you know, 11 million people. You know what an impact uh, it would have on the state of Texas and the state of California and the state of Arizona and the state of New Mexico if that well, were to happen. That is that is why I I talk about. You remember last week we were talking about educating our our fellow Trumpers, and I wasn't saying it in a condescending way at all because uh, you just don't know what you don't know, and that this is what these folks don't know, right? I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot. Let me let me give an example. Yesterday I was watching, I think it was MSNBC, and they did a they did a a little piece on farmers in in the. Uh, valley in California, uh, whatever the valley is called, where they grow a lot of uh, produce in California. And these, they, they interviewed three farmers, and each one of these farmers voted for Donald Trump. And they all said they want to give Donald Trump a chance, but they are all now concerned that based on his immigration policies, their farms will suffer because they won't be able to get Fresno, California. That's right, Cindy. Thank you. Uh, they, they, that their folks, they won't be, they, they are already having, since the inception of Donald Trump, they've already been having problems getting farmers to come and work for them to pick their crops, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, with Donald Trump starting to deport people, they're concerned. Now, you know, you have to sit back and say, it's like, it shouldn't have taken rocket science for somebody to figure out 
that if you have a president that's talking about deporting people and you know that the supply of people that you use are generally undocumented because it's an easy way to get labor. I'm sorry, that's how that's a, that is the reality. That is where reality that is where reality meets politics. And so therefore, uh, so those people, those farmers, somehow that slipped their mind. But it's it's deeper than that. Right here in Kingwood, okay, I live in a in, in the suburbs of Houston. We have a lot of uh, stores like Exxon stores that uh, that sell a whole lot of product. They have a lot of things that they sell, like tacos and all these other things, hot meals that people can get during the day. And what you find in Kingwood is all these companies that have the lawn companies and the maid companies and all of that, at around between 11 and 1 o'clock, you'll see all those parking lots filled up with people buying products from these stores, right? And guess who are buying products from these stores? A lot of these people are those undocumented workers who are buying their lunches, uh, buying a quick thing to take home. These are who these guys are. So deport them. Suddenly, the mom and pop store that was very red Republican, I want my country back, those guys, they will immediately feel the impact. The corporations won't. The corporations will see little impact. You know why they'll see little impact? They have the ability to pass on all costs to the public at large. And the public at large is a huge damper. It's a huge damper. In, I'm a mechanical engineer, so I like to talk about damper and stress, trusses and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it has a very large corporations have a dampening effect. Or rather, they have a damp. They can. They can. They don't feel that pain, right? They need now the little mom and pop stores. A lot of them wearing their red, whites, and blues and wanting to get all those foreigners out of here. They will immediately feel the impact. You see all those people that are getting thrown out right now. Those are rents not being paid. Those are a lot of people. A lot of these folks live in these uh, one or two ownership type uh, homes. Those will be rents no longer paid. There will be stores no longer shopped in. There will be restaurants no, no longer used. There will be trucks that sell to these guys. These guys also get insurance on the third market. They get medicine on the third market. All these guys who are generally Republicans will serving the undocumented will immediately see an effect. And in what is going to be likely then? is they won't blame it on their own idiocy to elect someone that was detrimental to their own financial well-being. They will try to spin it some other way. It is our job then, before these things happen, to inform our folks about what's in your future. Because they, I don't want somebody to listen to me and say, oh, Egberto, I've seen the light. I will now become a left-wing liberal like you are. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm a left-wing liberal to death, and I will continue pushing these kind of policies. I know I'm not going to win all of them. That's fine with me. I love compromise. I love people. Left-wing, right-wing, everybody. I love everybody. But what I want to do is I want to plant seeds in people's minds so that the next time they go out to vote, they won't necessarily vote like I'm going to vote, but they'll make an informed vote. The problem we have right now is that too many people are making uninformed vote, and in doing so, they don't only hurt themselves, but they hurt us all. Because we are going to have to clean up the entire mess again that Republicans will make. 
in the next several years. We will have to clean it up just like Obama is not, was not even complete in cleaning up the mess of Reagan and uh, Reagan, Clinton, Bush. Because, you know, and I'm an equal opportunity offender now. Clinton is not, Clinton's hands not clean at all. And I've told that in, in my book, Politics, rather in my book, as I see class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom, I specifically hit Clinton. And why did I hit Clinton? He passed Glass-Steagall. Glass-Steagall, I, many of the, our economists won't say it. And they won't say it for one specific reason. They won't say it because it, it puts the capitalist structure at risk if they do. But I can tell you this. Glass-Steagall was one of the major impactors on the demise of our economy in 2008 because it allows, it deregulated, it deregulated how much of the economy worked. And in doing so, it allowed charlatans. Remember these businessmen, oh, we, we love to respect businessmen. They deserve no respect, a large percentage of them. Because they're, they're no smarter than anyone listening to my voice right now. They're no smarter. What they are are more kind of, Look, I'm a businessman. I own a software company. I made tons of money with my software company. And, uh, and I haven't made tons of money in years because now I'm a full-time activist. But, hey, listen. The fact of the matter is simple. It is our job now if we really, you know, those people who really say uh, we care about our country, we really want it to go, and we care about our kids, and we want what's better for my kid. My kid is going to medical school in the summer. I want what's best for her. I want to make sure that when she's done, she's not completely in debt. She's already in some debt for some of the, her masters. I'm way, I, I want those things mitigated. My generation failed millennials badly because when there was time we follow many of us, and I'm not talking personal. This is not a personal thing. I'm talking generational. We bought into the crap that Reagan sold, that even Clinton sold, about uh, a, rising, a rising tide lifts all boats. It does not if you don't have the structures to ensure that. Capitalism doesn't provide, promote equality. It, provide, it promotes the accumulation of wealth by those who have capital. We have to learn these things. We have to know these things. We fail them. We allow them to say tax cuts are great, and we charge them more for tuition. We charge them more for fees, and, they, and, and then we, we charge them to borrow the money for the increased fees that they had to pay. And then we look at our kids and say, why couldn't you have been like us? Why couldn't you have been like us? You know why you couldn't have been like us? Because we screwed you. John, give me a quick 10-second closer, my brother. All right, good show. And one of the things that, that, that would happen when they pass some of these laws is that food rotted on the vines, you know, in yes. Georgia when they passed some of these harsh immigration laws. And that's why prices went up. And, and, and talking about Lido, because they they literally rotted on the vines. And you can, you can easily go and find this stuff. Uh, Glass-Steagall, uh, you know, was put into place. It was actually repealed in 2000 by the Graham-Leach-Bliley, and Clinton right. did sign that as part of a bigger – and that was a huge mistake. You're absolutely right about that. Okay. Got to right. go, Mike. Great show. Thank you for calling into the show, folks. I'd like to have more of you call in. I love to watch your messages here on Facebook Live. Please remember to go to 
Politics Done Right with Egberto Willis, the page, and like the page. Please share the page as well. Let people, let, let's get involved and let's get things done around here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and we are out. Facebook, thank you. 